0: we doing this really wait for it are we doing this wait for it Oh what the fuck WTF. and it's also eh, what the fuck what's wrong with me it's time for wtf what the
1: fuck with mark Marin.
0: okay let's do this what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fucking ears what the fucking that's an appropriate one this is mark maron this is wtf i am still in montreal i am in canada i'm in my hotel room I am fat. I'm a little tired of French. Uh, I cannot eat poutine again. That was a mistake. It was a good mistake. Did I have to get the poutine with sausages on it? Did I? Did I have to get the poutine that came with gravy, cheese curds, sausages, merguez? I think merguez, mergaz, merg something sausages, hot peppers, Tabasco. Did that have to happen? Did I have to have ice cream after that? I don't know, I need to celebrate somehow. If I don't shove things into my mouth, I just yell at people. That's how I celebrate what's been going on up here. Maybe I should tell you who's on the show today uh, because that did happen in my garage. We are going to talk to uh, Andrew Silverstein today, or as you may know him, Andrew Dice Clay. And I had a great conversation in the garage and I did something sort of interesting uh, for the second half of this podcast that I'll share with you in a little while. But let me just talk about Montreal for a second because I'm here. I'll probably talk about it again when I get home, but I'm going to talk about it now. It's been an amazing trip. I've done some good work. I wrote a speech that people liked. I uh, put it up online if you didn't hear it yet. uh, The shows have been going pretty well. Um, I I don't know how to handle it. Uh, I know you know me. I know you know what I'm saying. I've had a lovely time up here. They did send me through immigration at the border. I appreciate your concern about that, but that did happen again. Fortunately for me, I was the only one at immigration, but they did still make me wait. I walked through a maze. Uh, of uh, you know that uh, sort of partition—I don't know what you call that when you—they have the, uh, the 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 line set up with the little uh, ropes. So I walked through that, and then I stood uh, and waited for an immigration agent to uh, to ask me to come forward. And there's such an intimidation element there because I know that they could either a send me away, make me go back to the United States, B, put me in jail for no reason at all, or C, ask me ridiculous questions that I don't know the answers to that concern the venues that I will be performing in. So I was prepared to do all of those things. And no, they just stood there and made me wait. That's an awkward thing to do for like three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, where it's just you, no one else online at the end of a maze, looking at two immigration agents who are just sitting there enjoying that power dynamic. It was fairly smooth once I walked up, but, uh, there did, there was an intimidation factor. I get it. I understand. I know I'm in uh, the French part of Canada. I know that because people speak French. I'm also learning that, um, I don't know what it is in me. I'm just going to have to work it out. But, uh, I appreciate the culture, but I'm, I'm I'm getting a little irritated with the French speaking, not in an American way, just in a way that it's a mixture between why am I not fucking bilingual? Why can't I understand French? Why didn't I why did I opt out? of my language requirement by claiming that I was incapable mentally of taking a language just because there was no way I was going to sit in the language lab and listen to some recorded voice going, See, now that was a little racist, but I don't know any French. I can't even pretend to know a few things. Bonjour. And then you repeat it. There was no way I was going to do that. I had drinking to do. I had pot to smoke. I had people to see. I had sleeping that needed to be done. That's where I was at. Let's get back to what's going on today. Andrew Dice Clay, a controversial figure to many. Uh, I like Andrew. I think he's funny. I was a doorman at the Comedy Store in 1986, and I happened to be a doorman right when Kennison was peaking and Dice was right behind him uh, in terms of becoming the biggest comedy stars in the world. Now, when I saw Dice, he was doing his nursery rhymes. He was doing his cigarette stick. He had the full uh, artillery. He had the full uh, uniform, the Dice uniform. And I never understood because I left the comedy store. I never quite understood why he was the one that got crucified by certain groups for being a certain thing. Because I always saw him as sort of a spectacle, uh, you know, almost a you know complete character. Uh, I'm going to talk to him about that. I will address that with him. But I was always sort of impressed with the. Uh, uniqueness of his presentation he was definitely a character and I was always quite frankly intimidated by him uh back then I didn't feel that he was the friendliest guy in the world but then again I didn't know him I was just a kid working the door and he was a guy doing the dice thing now I really had not seen him for probably about 15 years and uh, I hadn't really thought much about it uh, i know he did a reality show you know i know he had his troubles that whatever it was publicized but i really hadn't seen him do comedy and i think i talked about this on the show i was at the comedy store one night watching one after another comic go do roughly the same thing up there i could have closed my eyes and i wouldn't have known the difference between them and then dice walks in no longer wearing the outfit just being who he is at the age he's at got up on stage for 45 minutes I laughed my ass off. I was so happy to be in the hands of a professional. I I got a real kick out of what he was saying. He was just talking about his life. I'd never seen him like that. I hadn't seen him live in probably 15 years, and I was actually thrilled to see him. And the one thing I never realized about Dice, because I don't know anything about him other than what I see, and this happens a lot with me, I make up a life for these guys that I think is right, but I, I wouldn't have ever known that he was a father. Not only is he a father, he's got two kids. One of them is doing comedy, Max Silverstein. And we got into that a little bit. So I said, well, I, I got to talk to Max. So you'll listen. Uh, I talked to Dice for a bit. And then the second part of this interview, I talked to Dice's son. And he's a well-adjusted kid. I, I don't know why I just couldn't get my head around that. But we had a lovely conversation. So let's do that now. Uh, let's go back to the garage and uh, and talk to Andrew Dice Clay. I got the air conditioner for some reason with you i said the last fucking thing i want is for dice to come over here and and worry about the air conditioner i don't know why i decided that you would be pissed off about the air conditioner
2: no you know what it is just <laughs> it's not pissed off about the air it's more the heat yeah right you know
0: people, but i wanted to make sure it was do cool people in here know
2: where you do this from
0: yeah it's in a garage they yeah know we're
2: it. in it and it's one of the coolest garages mm-hmm. i've ever seen
0: well, I'm going to set a stage here because I kind of know you a little bit, and I don't know if you remember, but I was in—I li- lived in Crest Hill in your old room, and you came up once, 1987. It was the green room, the little room with the little bed in the bathroom.
2: Okay, but this is where you're wrong. The room was red. Think about
0: it when you when you lived in it. Didn't oh, they changed it. it, but it had its own bathroom, right? And yeah. you came in and you said, "You ever get a blowjob in that tub?" Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I got thousands of them, literally. It's what I would do yeah, you know, I'd go down to the comedy store like yeah. uh, what was the uh, The night where anybody could go on Monday it, night. It was Monday. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. night. So uh, I'd go down there and Ronnie Kenny would say to me he goes it's amazing with you He goes you come down to the store you go up there with the leather jacket you do your thing You come out to the parking lot you negotiate whatever chick you point to Crest Hill <laughs> You know, yeah, I live right up there. Can you give me a lift? You know, next thing you know, it's the blowjob in the bath. But, you know, the beauty of that was that, you know, I was hygienically nice enough to these women to let them bathe me first.
0: You like, know what I mean? That was the angle. Yeah, I, just, I wouldn't even let them suck my
2: dick till I was completely <laughs> soaked up. Please give me a bath. I'm yeah. dirty. How funny <laughs> is that? The bath because it had an old time bath. Yeah, like, like it was a tiled tub. Well, let me explain the room. I was in, in Cresto because people watching this. Well, this was a,
0: a Mitzi Shore. Are you actually Shore. filming me now? No, I don't, it- no film. We're just on the mic. Mitzi Shore, the owner of the comedy store, owned this house. It was like a, a, a pretty, a pretty nice. And she's fu- the owner of the comedy right, store, right? Nice fucking house, though. So. It, it you know it became a halfway house later on, but she she put he let us live up there. Did you pay rent? Not till I made it. Oh, so she, she put you. She up She had there. no
2: problem calling my father and go. He owes me five thousand dollars, and then we paid her, and then she called a couple months later to get paid again. Wait,
0: she calls your father? Yeah,
2: she called because he ran my business.
0: Yeah, you know. Oh, okay, and, it wasn't uh, this weird thing where it's like your son. is No, no, no. Here.
2: He was what was what was great with my dad yeah. is that. I was with the biggest management in Hollywood. I was yeah. with Sandy Gallen, right. who had everybody from Stallone to right. Whoopi Goldberg yeah, to yeah, Dolly yeah. Parton. Yeah. And the beauty of it, <clears throat> the beauty of it was, is that I wouldn't make a move no matter what Sandy wanted to do yeah. with me. Yeah. Till my father okayed it. Right. So my father would be on the phone with Sandy every morning while he was on his treadmill, yeah. discussing the career strategy. Because from day one, my dad was my manager. What, I considered him my manager. Well,
0: let's. Where did that start though? That started in Brooklyn.
2: That started in Brooklyn. The very first time I went on in Pips in Brooklyn. How old were you? Um, I wasn't even twenty-one yet, and the act was a very novel act. It was me as Jerry Lewis. Yeah. You know, his Nutty Professor character, not right. the one Eddie Murphy did, but right. the original Nutty right. Professor. Y- y- and, and yeah, actually, I just thought, of, uh, <laughs> actually, I'm a human pity, ladies and gentlemen. And I would take my, but in these two glasses, yeah. and I would mix together my potion, <laughs> yeah. right? And I would take it, the lights would go out, yeah. and, you know, uh, the owners of the club, right. uh, Seth Schultz, would, he knew the cue when I would snap my finger, turn yeah. the lights back on. Right. So within 20 seconds, I had to slick my hair back, which I had more of, Right. make the Danny Zuko curl, yeah. strip down from a giant tuxedo shirt, and now I'm standing there as the, uh, Travolta as Danny Zuko from right. Greece. Right, So the very first time I went on a Pips, the way I put the act, let me just back up, the way well, I yeah. put the act together, well, not inspired, Dice, Yeah. not right. Dice. This is to get into show business. It was right?
0: impressions, right?
2: Yeah, but what happened was, yeah. since I'm 16, when Travolta hit as Barberino and Welcome right. Back, Carter, yeah, we could have been doubles. Yeah, we we were like brothers the yeah. way we looked. So, and the fact that I look like him, I'd make myself look like him even more. Yeah, that's what people do when they really resemble sure. yeah, somebody yeah, on yeah. TV,
0: especially if he's got some, you know, he's got legs. He's popular.
2: And I and yeah, and I was able to do a perfect impression of Travolta. I walk around school. You know, people would go, you look, you know, I'm in high school. They go, you look like John Travolta. go, I I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, What? (laughs) You know, and they go, you even sound like him. I go, I I don't know what you're talking about. You know, Mr. Connor says to me, Vinny, did you do your homework? Where?
0: (laughs) You know, it was like, so
2: I would change, what I did, I went to a studio in Brooklyn, a regular recording studio, because... You know, the bottom line is I never really studied comics. Yeah. I couldn't give a fuck about comics. Seriously? You know? Yeah, growing up. I was more I was into the drums. Yeah. You know, I saw Ringo Starr when the Beatles ad. Uh then I became like a giant fan of like Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa.
0: So you were a drummer. Yeah. That was I, your dream.
2: Yeah, since since I was like seven years old. Are you good at it? Uh I'm pretty good. My son Max is beyond belief. You have he's, two he's sons? A, yeah. Max is uh he goes on to Max Silverstein, not yeah. Max Clay and uh Clay's my middle name, so he uh Andrew he started, Silverstein. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Clay Silverstein yeah. is my full name, and then it became Andrew Dice Clay. Right. But anyway, Max's drumming is like, you know, uh, John Bonham style, Ginger Baker. Pounds it. I'm, no, no, he really has unreal skill. Oh, yeah? And he had it when he was 10. Mm. You know, that's when he started. that's what he's doing? So, no, he's doing stand-up now. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Same path. Yeah, he's doing stand-up. He's he's unreal. (laughs) Is he
0: good? Yes. What's his style?
2: I say he's like an edgier version of Seinfeld. Okay, observational. Yeah, Yeah, observational, but, you know, he always comes to me about with language and stuff. Uh I go, look. We live in a really tough world and people want to laugh hard. What do you mean with
0: language? He says, should I say fuck or what?
2: Well, he's really one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. (laughs) But, you know, some material you talk about on stage doesn't call for such nice words. Yeah. So I tell him, look, I, I have no right to tell you what you can and can't say on stage. Yeah. You know, because then you're not going to become the the performer you want to become. Yeah. So he does his thing, but, but did he grow that's up? That's why I say he's like Edgy Seinfeld, because he is observational. Right. But yet, you know, if you know, if he's taught, you know, the whole well, the whole thing about women today. Yeah. Like what he's experiencing. Yeah. Is you just can't be nice to them. So he talks about that on stage. He goes, "Cause I'm a really nice guy." Right. You know, and they, I don't want to do his material, but when he talks to me about like any girl that he's met like the girl next door yeah and then the next day she wants nothing to do with him right and he's only trying to be nice to her uh, and and it's almost like the guy is in the position like like years ago a guy would be with a girl have a one night stand yeah and then go well you know i'm not really into a heavy relationship right now now it's the girls saying that to guys <laughs> like you yeah. know it's and amazing. i'll say to him i'll say max let me tell you something yeah you know these little fucking slobs, they come over to the club, right? None of them are in comedy. Right. They come in a little You're pack. You're talking about the women. Yeah, you, you, the ones he's meeting. Right. I go, and they all look like the girl next door, but yet they're not involved even in show business. Right. They're looking for the guy with the development deal with ABC. Right. That 15 years from now, they're making a living from that guy for the rest of their life.
0: So so you think they're just uh, parasites looking for the cash? Yeah, they're hunting. Yeah. And is that, hold on, let me shut this door. You
2: think that, does that still go on at the store? You feel
0: that? It goes on everywhere. But like it's very funny to me that a nice kid is coming to you as a father for a, advice about women.
2: Well, you know, you know what it is as <laughs> yeah. as a father, I'm yeah. a different
0: type of guy. Well, th- I think you that's really interesting to me because like I a lot of guys when I came up when I was with you at the comedy store, like I saw you. I was a doorman, and you and Dice was just starting to blow uh-huh. up. You know, you had the whole thing, the big jacket, and the whole thing. And it was I, it must have been nineteen. Eighty-eight. I took off in eighty-eight. Yeah. Right, so I, like I was right there at the beginning of that, and then there were these other guys, you know, like Fat Todd, Todd Lemish, and Jimmy Schubert, who uh-huh. I was hanging out with, who knew you as Andrew Silverstein on some level. So it always sort of, I was always sort of curious about well, you know, who that I've guy always is.
2: More or less, been a family man. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I just got married for the third time. If I was really like my stage persona, you know, I wouldn't be with a girl for more than an hour and a half. Maybe. Right. right. You know what I mean? But yeah. But I do love sex. I do, you know, really focus on that in a relationship because, you know, people, you know, it's like I even talked, my sons have no problem coming to me and talking to me. I got two boys about anything. Yeah. Because you got to be honest with your kids or else they grow up not knowing anything. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, if a kid is having a problem with a girl. Yeah. The you know or with the sexual thing, let's say, yeah. If you don't have who to talk to, you go out of your mind. Well, what's
0: your advice? If I said, how do I uh, get get a girl to you know fuck me?
2: Well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't ask like that. No, I know know what I mean. Like you know, how do you? He'll just like if he meets a girl. Yeah. He'll like, well, what do you think? Yeah. And you know, depending on the situation, I mean, I give him true, honest advice. Yeah. You know, I teach them. You know, no means no. Yeah. You know all that stuff. I go. Never do anything a girl doesn't want you to do. Yeah. You know, always be a gentleman, even though you want to be a little edgy with them because they want the bad boy image, you know, you still got to be a sweet guy. Right. You know what I mean? so, you know, my real life, you know, you haven't seen me around for a decade because you know what? I went through a rough divorce. Um, Horrible, right? Yeah, pretty horrible. (sighs) But both my sons live with me. And I wouldn't have traded that for anything in the world. Was and that the one
0: you were with in 1988? Yeah. The nickname Cheesecake or something. Well, we yeah. won't talk about all right, it, sorry. you know, because yeah,
2: yeah. that'll just be a lawsuit. Okay. You know. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. You know, huh? Okay. Just, but but. Just trying to get a point. Yeah, reference, and it's a when, decade later. You sure. Know? Yeah. 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 But the the fact is, you know, I didn't when I went through that breakup. I didn't give a fuck about my career. I didn't have managers, publicists, agents. Yeah. You know all. You know, I would just do like club gigs and come right home and take care of my boys. And then the last year and a half, I was doing these smaller rooms, like in Vegas, just to make a living, right? So I could be near my sons.
0: Okay, so that you know? was really the big choice, was just yeah. Formation. I
2: I didn't give a fuck, you know. If you don't accom- if you have kids, yeah, you got to fucking bring them up. Because yeah. if you don't, you see the dummies walking around out there. Yeah. So, I've always been about accomplishment, but who gives a fuck about movies, TV, if I got two kids that grow up like fucking morons? Yeah. You know what I mean. So to bring up good, well balanced kids that that are also focused on their lives and the things they want to do. Yeah, you know that's great. That's the biggest accomplishment. Well, How were you brought up? Well, I was brought up good. I was brought up. You Your know, parents stayed married. You know, I'm and... from Brooklyn, yeah. so people in Brooklyn are very grounded, very what down kind of,
0: to earth. What kind of business were the were the folks in? When well, my
2: up? father, my my mother didn't work, but my father could do anything. He did everything from retail toy stores to the building line to when to a process serving agency, mm-hmm. and when I came into comedy, I started working with my father so I could do the comedy at night, and he started managing me. Yeah, and that was exciting because while guys were making twenty bucks a night because of the the Jerry Lewis Travolta act. Yeah, he was getting me like a thousand dollars a night to play these big discos at twenty two because Travolta was the biggest thing in the world. So, so I a, would end my act with doing Grease Lightning. Yeah. You know, it was a very polished act. When I saw Travolta in Greece, I realized, okay, I know what my act could be. Because I didn't want to go to acting school. Right, You know, I just don't believe in it. You know what I mean? What do you mean? Well, what I mean is you either have natural ability or you don't. Yeah. And the the point is I I was looking at rock stars Mm -hmm. and movie stars. And when I started doing the comedy, I was doing this crazy little act. Yeah that the first time I went on at Pips, they hired me to headline that weekend. Yeah, And I said, because the place went, when I turned into Travolta, the audience actually broke the club apart because I looked (laughs) so like him and sounded so like him. When I came on as Jerry Lewis going, well, actually ladies and gentlemen, and my whole family sitting there (laughs) watching this, like like from when I was seven years old, Uh, and now to see me with a giant tuxedo shirt, my hair, with the fauxhawk greased forward, and the entire audience is booing me. It's a Brooklyn fucking audience with the air conditioner on in the club. And then I take the potion, turn into Travolta, and the place went from hatred to complete awe. And they fucking, they were throwing tables over. And as I'm leaving the club, Seth and Marty Schultz stopped me at the door, and they go, who are you, you know? <laughs> and I go, well, this is my first time on. They go, well, we want you to headline this weekend. <laughs> yeah. They go, who's your manager? And I look at my father, and I go, well, he is. <laughs> and that's how the whole thing started. <laughs> but then at the comedy store, the act took me so far.
0: You never watched, you never saw Andy Kaufman or anything? Like, you know, like the transition Andy thing? Kaufman I loved. Right. With the, the Elvis right. thing that Yeah, he, yeah. Beyond Belief. Right, That didn't influence you at all? I mean uh, initially. Andy
2: Kaufman didn't influence me. The only one that did influence me was was Jerry Lewis's movie. The it's Noty so funny Professor. when you do
0: when you do the the Jerry Lewis, your fucking face just turns into Jerry Lewis. Well you <laughs> know
2: the glasses go down. Yeah, I uh, actually uh not to seem didactic <laughs> or of facetious in any way, Miss Birdie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you're turning into a t- <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna die. Listen to this. You know, and then you know and then I started adding impressions like Stallone. Uh, you know, I would do like a slice Sly Stallone if he did Rocky and Frank. Right, 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 right. You know, I'd be yeah. like <laughs> Absolutely, mom, you know, and then I would do the old-time Pacino before his voice changed. Like now, like you see him in movies like Donnie Brasco, and he's right. like, wise well, is always right. Even when he's wrong, he's right. But the old Pacino, you know, from Dog Day Afternoon is, I'm dying over here. You know, yeah. Serpico Sid, yeah, yeah. get those fucking cops away from the door. You know, I yeah. mean, you know, he's completely changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You now know? he's just like
0: very explosive. Everything's explosive. Yeah. It's a yeah. little weird. Yeah. All right, so, so when you,
2: when a man makes a handshake a yeah. deal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. But what I'm getting at yeah, is sir. that the the characters I'd watch in film really affected not, me. Not comedians, you know, not comedians. Right. And when I came to the comedy store and realized, all right, no producer is buying me to play Jerry Lewis, so I have to start becoming whatever I am on stage. And I would watch all the comics, guys like you know, at that time. From Seinfeld to Leno to, and they were all great.
0: Louis Anderson.
2: Louis Anderson, they were all great, but what what I feel comedians are missing, that's why I don't think comics went to rock star status, was performance, and that's what I got from Elvis. Spectacle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, theatrical. And so after five, six minutes, I walk out of the room, not because they were bad, because I was bored, and I decided if I'm going to stay in stand-up and develop this, I want to create the most exciting stand up ever. I want to create the Elvis of stand up.
0: Well, okay. So, you know,
2: something more exciting for we'll, people. Well, paint
0: a picture of the comedy store at that time because I remember hanging around those hallways and seeing those pictures. And who was in your, like, that that, that generation? And when you got there, how old were you? 22? Uh, no, I was, I was just 21. So you get to the comedy store, 21, Mitzi's nuts and she loves you, right? She just, yeah,
2: well, Mitzi, the night I met her, uh, See, I didn't even give a fuck who she was because I wasn't into comedy. I didn't care. Mitchell Walters- Not, None of it mattered. Mitchell Walters He's saw funny. me in Brooklyn. Yeah. You like and, Mitchell though, right? Yeah, I love Mitchell. Yeah. Mitchell, one of the greatest joke writer ever. Yeah. And he was calling my father in the office. We're doing process serving going, I talked to Mitzi about Andrew. He's got to come out here. She wants to see him. She, I'm telling you, it'll be great for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I get to the comedy store- you know the auditions were supposed to be like five minutes something like yeah. that. i do 28 minutes right because I got a whole act I'm right. doing So this guy stops me when I when I come on stage and and the thing about me is you know Like I tell people you know like good behavior really never came naturally to me. Yeah, you know Because of the way I grew up and everything and uh, what do you mean you were a dick? No, no, I, I was tough yeah. You know, I had lots of fights
0: really you used to get in yeah. fights.
2: Yeah, Lots of them. Uh, yeah, and, and I didn't win them all,
0: trust me. Yeah.
2: I'm not saying I'm the toughest guy in the world, but I had no problem going toe-to-toe with anybody. Right. I had my nose busted. I was put in the hospital a few times.
0: Just because of the streets of Brooklyn yeah, or what? Yeah,
2: that's all it was. I wasn't a bully. You know, I was more of a tough guy. Right. It was, you know, when the bullies would fuck with me, yeah. I would take them apart, and that right. was it.
0: Were you a sports guy or yeah, anything? No, no,
2: not into sports. Yeah. But what happened was yeah. so I'd do this 28-minute audition, Right. And I'm coming off the stage, and this guy gets in my face and starts screaming at me, you know. And I'm still really fucking cocky, but yeah. at that time I was, you know, you know, my fuse was lit all the time. Yeah, yeah. And this guy goes, "Who the fuck you think you are doing 28 minutes?" And I'm going, "All right, Andrew, you're not in Brooklyn, you don't know this guy." And I go, <laughs> "Are you the owner?" You know. Are you the owner of the club? And he goes, no. I go, then you should really just step to the side. I go, that's your last warning. (laughs) Your final warning is when you're waking up. You know? And then I leave the comedy store, and the next day I get a call. Mitzi wants to make you a regular. Yeah. You know, to be, you know, that's a big deal thing for people listening, to become a regular at the comedy store. Is the same place from everywhere from Eddie Murphy to Richard Pryor to Steve Martin to Robin Williams to all the new guys coming up. It's an honor. Oh yeah, I knew again. that much. You I'm get not your name stupid. On the wall. So she sends me to the Westwood Comedy Store, and I get a call there. Mitzi wants to meet you. I'm like, yeah, okay. What's the f-, you know? And they, no, you got to come here
0: now. You didn't and, really understand the, the whole mythology. Well, no, of place. no, like, no. Yeah, and I'm she, going. Well, who the fuck is she? Can yeah. I see her tomorrow? I'm with some chick. You <laughs> and know? you're the only guy that ever said that. I'm sure everyone else was like, oh my god, Mitzi's coming. No, but, coming but again. there was
2: this lady uh, Estelle yeah. uh, that worked. At the comedy store in Westwood, she goes, No, Mitzi's the owner. Go over there. Say hello. Right. So, you know, I come there with this girl and my friends that, that live out in LA, and she just looks at me and she goes, You're a real movie star. You don't know that. She goes, And she's standing with Mitchell Walters, yeah. August Hamilton, Ali Joe Prater, uh-huh. Alan Stevens. That yeah. was like her, the, the bunch. her little group, yeah. you know. And I go, well, she goes, how long are you gonna be here? I go, well, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, like in a week. Yeah. And she goes, oh no, you can't leave. She yeah, goes, yeah. you're a movie star. She goes, you look like Bugsy Siegel. <laughs> you know, she yeah. goes, you don't understand. She goes, comics don't look like you, yeah. you know? And I'm just telling you what she said. I'm not bragging about anything. No, 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 you know? no,
0: no, but did she try to fuck you?
2: No, no. that was the thing. That you know? was rare. I, well, you know what it was. I, I was already, you know, going with her daughter a little.
0: Oh, because, you were? Yeah.
2: On <laughs> the way that? to L.A., yeah. I stopped in La Jolla because my sister lived there with her husband. Right. And I came to that comedy store because I figured oh, I'll go on this night, you know, before I go to L.A. And uh, there was some bartender that goes, "Oh, you can't just, you know, come in and go on. Uh, yeah. You got to talk to the owner." And it was her daughter, Sandy. Yeah, yeah. So something started there that night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, I got practicing for LA. <laughs> yeah. And um, so yeah, Mitzi didn't try to do nothing. And when when I got involved at the comedy store, you know, you know, I I love girls, and I would tell Mitzi, look, I really like your daughter, but you know, I, you know, I'm not looking to get married. I didn't come out here to get married. I came out here to make it. Yeah. You know. And she goes, well, I don't see nothing. You know. What do you mean? Uh, Meaning she don't see anything. If I'm talking to a girl, I'm going, Wow, that's a weird family. (laughs) You know what I mean? The mother (laughs) don't give a shit, you know. But you know, you know, I was twenty one, you know, I was knocking them down like dominoes, you know. You know, that's
0: what I would do, you know. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's so funny because I saw you recently. Like I hadn't seen you in a long time, and I and, and I since I worked the door really, and then like a, maybe a year ago you came in. You did like forty-five minutes in the OR, just straight up talking about going to Staples, and uh, it was fucking hilarious. Oh, the uh, yeah,
2: the shred a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you like,
2: actually reminded me of a bit I haven't been doing. Thank oh, you, you should do it. It's so no, it's fucking... a great bit, but it just takes so much time. I get bored to. Fucking but but it tears. was very
0: interesting though. You know to see you with you know because I had this time lapse. So like I missed a whole chunk of your life. And then you're just up there where you're yeah, at and now talking. Yeah, I'm with talking. my kids getting
2: school supplies. Right, right. But it's a true story. This guy no, came over and go, and he says to me like that. He goes, you know, uh, you know, they're having a sale on shredders, on paper shredders. I'm going, do I know you? You know, because I don't like strangers. I'm not a people person that way. <laughs> yep. you know. Yeah. And I said, do me a favor, walk away from me, okay? I'm just waiting for my kids. You know. And then he actually walked by again and said, he goes, they're really having a sale on shredders. I'm going, but now I'm noticing the fucking shredders. They're all stacked up. Yeah. So I figured, you know, maybe this guy knows where he's talking. I don't even have paper to shred, so I had to buy that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and when I got it home, I was like, how does this fucking thing work? You know? And when I put the piece of paper in, the noise it made was yeah. so fucking angry, you know? It, Then I go, this is fucking great. Then I did. I started putting in CDs. Everything. And and the next thing you know, I'm in a fucking sweat that I drew a face on the fucking shredder, like a mad looking face with the fucking jagged teeth. And I'm going, you motherfucker, you eat it all. you know. And, And my kids all of a sudden were in the doorway going, dad, what are you doing? Yeah. I go. What am I doing? You're the one that wanted me to go to Staples. Look at how much fun I'm having with this fucking thing. Let me have a good time.
0: The angry you know? shredder. But right, I so, do
2: like taking my reality and making it funny. That's that's. No, what I like it was work great. On. So how
0: did the thing? Okay, so let's let's go back to where you're a Pips. You're doing the Travolta thing and the, the Jerry Lewis thing. You come out here. Mitzi loves you. How did the how did the, the, the Dice, it became a huge star, evolve with uh, the nursery rhymes and everything else?
2: Well, what happened, that was when I first started, you know, being Dice on stage, what happened was I really didn't have any material yet. I would just practice in my mirror because yeah. it was more about the image I'm going to present. Right. Yeah. And, and Dice is really a heightened version of who I am as a Brooklyn guy. Right. You know what I mean? So... Because when you're on stage, you know, it's all to me about animation and putting on a show for people Yeah. that they walk out, and no matter who they've seen, they remember that guy in the leather jacket.
0: The, with the cigarette lighter yeah, and exactly. everything. Yeah. So yeah.
2: I lit my cigarette, and I had no material, and I looked at the crowd, and I didn't say anything. Yeah. And I took a puff at the cigarette, like I'm doing now. Yeah. And I say, you know, I've uh, I've been up here for about, I don't know minutes haven't told you any jokes yeah with a straight face yeah but I sort of just been smoking a cigarette but you see I could come on a stage and not tell any jokes and sort of just smoke a cigarette for a minute or two and keep your attention and the reason I could do that is well the fact is I'm just that fucking good and it got applause, and I walked off. <laughs> and then the act started building. I started, you know, I actually would take some jokes from joke books. Yeah. You know, and then I started developing the act. And, and that then, didn't
0: bother you, though.
2: What, taking jokes yeah. from
0: joke books? What do you, yeah. I was,
2: in my opinion, a new comic yeah. trying to find material, you know, and it was like jokes like, um, you know, because Dice loves himself so much. Right. Dice is all about confidence. See, most comics... Back then, we're all about insecurity. Right. But Dice is secure. Right. You know what I mean? A yeah. lot of comics, when you talk to them, why'd you get into comedy? To get girls. Yeah. You know, because think of the comics through history. Guys like Buddy Hackett. Yeah. You know, Buddy Hackett wasn't scoring tens when he was a kid. You like you know him, what I mean? No, right? Oh, I loved him. Don yeah. Rickles. Yeah. The funniest guy in the world. Yeah. But comics were goofball looking right. guys. Right. They weren't like handsome movie stars. Right. So my whole thing was about having the confidence. So I had these jokes about being my own idol. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I got my own toll-free number, (laughs) 1-800-PERFECT. I get up three, four hours (laughs) earlier to spend more time with myself. Yeah. I got a mirror above my bed, so I'm the first one I see when I get up in the fucking morning. Yeah. You know, it was jokes like that. And then I started developing because of the fact I was living in in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the whole gay community thing. I didn't really see that in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I had nothing against gays, but I'm going, what a great target for a Brooklyn tough guy. Right. You know, the way the women acted out here, you know, when I would go out with a girl in Brooklyn, I was a complete gentleman. You know, I, if I went out with a girl for six months, for the first three months, I wouldn't even try to touch a fucking tit. Yeah. You know, yeah. complete respect. Right. And then I move out to L.A. and there was a whole different set of rules out here, my yeah. friend. <laughs> It was like, I would try to be nice to a girl, and they go, do you live near here? i go, yeah, well, I'm right up the hill. You want, no, I'm not even hungry. Next thing you know, my balls are banging into her little fat fucking ass, Yeah. and I'm looking at the most sweet, angelic-looking face going, I can't believe, I would have went out with this girl for a year to get some, <laughs> and she's giving it to me within the hour. Yeah. Did that, did, that, that did- and saying the filthiest things I've ever heard and I'm going okay, so that's how the game is played. Well, they, here. They,
0: they, do you feel that that diminished your respect for women? No, I have complete respect for women. Yeah, you
2: know, I got a I got a friend that came over to me, right? Yeah. And this isn't long ago. Yeah. And he tells me about a girl he went out with, and I go, "So how'd the date go?" He goes, "Well, I fucked her, you know, but I'll never see her again." And I'm like, "Well, why not?" And he goes, "Well, you know, she was a real pig. She fucked me on the first date." I go, "Yeah, but what if you're the only guy?" she ever did that with. Yeah. What if she dug you so much yeah. that that she felt the need to do that with you? So how's that girl going to feel now knowing she gave everything to you and now you don't want to talk to her? You thought she was sweet when you met her, right? Yeah. She acted nice, right? He, you you well, had a great time. So he wound up marrying her. <laughs> really? I'm not even kidding. That's hilarious. Because like Yeah, I, so it's not about disrespect, it's right. about taking I love you know picking on couples in the front i could see the couples that are really into being with each other i could see the couples that have nothing in common anymore you know and i like to take sex and 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 paint pictures and but comedic pictures of sex that's why i come up with names like yeah so you take your dick and you put it in her jerk pocket Yeah. you know things that haven't been said you know <laughs> Because the picture in this jerk pocket, you know, it's comedic. But, you know, know, we live in a world where you could touch one button on your computer and you see things that I never even thought of. No. The filthiest fucking things. Like, I don't even like going to that... And the only time I've seen them is when somebody will turn a computer on and show it to me. not a porn guy. Because I don't want to get... No, I got nothing against porn, no. but there's overload. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you I know what I mean? You. Everybody's not, got that little private stock. But
0: you're not prepared to take in that much shit. You're, well, you know what? Your, I, your don't it yeah. I don't want to because I don't want to get polluted.
2: And that's what I taught my kids about when they were five. Yeah. Because you I remember... You them not
0: to watch porn? Well,
2: I, I remember Max coming yeah. home because he's four years older than Dylan. Yeah. And a friend of his... Showed him stuff on the computer. I go, look, there's nothing wrong with sex, and you're gonna have plenty of it. But what they're putting out there will dement your mind. Right. It's not normal sex. It's it's the filthiest stuff. And I don't want my kids. I go, you could lie to me and go to it, but you'll pollute your own mind. And I happen to have really good boys that listen to their father, and they don't go to it. Right. You know. Yeah. And, And that's the bottom line. And now. You know what? You know, I walked into my other son's room. He's watching uh, on HBO the uh, the vampire show. Lisa. Sure, yeah, yeah. I walk in, and all I see is a guy's face. Yeah. And then it cuts back, and there's a girl hopping up and down on him. But it don't mean anything to him now. Right, You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because but it's, also like it's like nothing. sex in a show sure, rather than, you know, a bulldog... You know, you know, fucking every hole a girl's got. Yeah, let's you know, talk, let's, I don't
0: need them seeing that nah, shit. I think that's. A, I think I wish uh, someone would have told me not to because I think it does fuck your head up. But let's let's talk about the uh, the crucifixion of dice, in uh, you know, at the turn of the like when you because like I'm one of these guys. I have a lot of respect. You you spawned a, a whole generation of comics. You know, you got Rich Voss, you got Jim Norton, you got Florentine, you got guys that, that looked Jameson, up.
2: Jameson, Don Jameson, yep. yeah.
0: Guys who who sort of like took your model and and understood what you were about and pushing the envelope and being, you know, just sort of a, a politically incorrect fucking clown on some level. Uh-huh. And I used and, to
2: call myself a Brooklyn bozo. I go, how come the <laughs> press doesn't get that?
0: Well I never understand. You know, when I'm either. watching
2: Nightline and they're having a debate about me, I'm going, Don't they understand I'm just a comic? Why'd they pick you? Well, you know what? I went to such a level to you know, I was doing you know, close to 100,000 people a week in concert. And that scared the media. So I became a lightning rod for every group looking for their own attention. So if I picked on the gays, yeah. the gays would attack me. They'd get their attention. The women's, the now movement, you know. And I remember I was at um, a restaurant on Sunset. What the fuck is that? Mirabelles. Yeah. And this woman who runs now walked over to me and goes, now, I'm not supposed to say this, but I'm a big fan of yours. Right. You know, and I'm like, look at this. Because I was with, at that time, my ex-wife. Yeah. You know, going, look at this. They, they were a big fan, but yet they're using me to get all this publicity for now.
0: Yeah. I just, So I just, I, I just, it just became I insane. Understand. I couldn't understand because, like, out of guys saying stuff about women or saying stuff about gays, yours was sort of disarmed by the fact that you do this character. And I really couldn't understand it.
2: Well, and, I will tell you, as the media attacked me more, I did get more vicious. Because it, it became almost, it, I, I didn't even enjoy, enjoy my own concerts because it
0: became more political than a joke. So that when you did the first, uh, when the laughter died, that record? No,
2: no, the day the laughter died. I want. To, I was doing such big
0: places, yeah.
2: you know, that I wanted to do a concept, the ultimate late night right. comedy album, which right. is called the day the laughter died. It's
0: great. It's and great.
2: what happened was it's the only double cd ever by a comic yeah but there's like no audience (laughs) there's like 15 people i did it at rodney dangerfield's club in manhattan (laughs) and the whole idea was that i don't even think about material i just come up with stuff yeah and you like that record do i like it that record went gold in less than a week yeah you know mitzi said uh she listened to a part of it in my house yeah and said, It's gonna ruin your career. And that's when I knew how big it was gonna be. You know, because she's going, Andrew, you're doing the uh, the LA Forum. You know, she goes, Why would you do this? I go, Because it's never been. I go, Nobody ever did that. When people would walk out on me, you hear it on the album. And fans just went crazy from it. And it, I take a lot of pride in that album. We actually did the Day to Left to Die part two. Rick Rubin did those, yeah. right? Yeah. I did five albums with him. Yeah. You know, and they've gone gold. They've gone platinum. You know, the only one that was outselling me with albums at the time was Jeff Foxworthy. Right. But just in his part of the country, right. so he didn't even get it.
0: So you were taking all this heat and all this bullshit, and then you go on Arsenio, who you knew from the comedy store, and you, you still. I got choked up. You I get, know what you're getting. Well, no, and I'm just I'm just wondering what you thought, of how that affected. No, well, the well, what happened?
2: Of it. Uh, uh, to, it really didn't affect it. What happened yes. is Fort Fairlane was coming out the next day. Yeah. And like I said, I'm a guy about accomplishment. Right. I always want to do something special with my life. And right. since I'm a kid, I knew I was going to do that. I mean, a really young kid. Yeah. You know, like even when I'd be in high school and I'd be failing everything. Yeah. You know, my mother would go, Andrew, what are you going to do when you get out of school? And I'm going, look at the face, ma. Yeah. What do you think? I'm going to. I'll be a movie star. Don't uh-huh. worry about it. You'll have everything you need. Uh-huh. You know, and that's how I really felt. And did you and, give her
0: everything she needed? Yes.
2: I, I was. You know, my family. See, I have this expression that you have to always have a reason to be. Yeah, you know. And my reason to be back then was the family that brought me up, my parents. Because everybody always you know. said you
0: were good with money, you saved well, money. You, you know, yeah. You know.
2: Well, well, the thing was, um, I just wanted to give them everything they yeah. ever dreamed of. Right. And I did. Yeah. You know. And then you know, you know, when you have kids and you have a wife, that's the new reason. Yeah. You know. Now I have a new wife. Yeah. You know. And I got my sons that I want to teach them by example and that's why about 2 years ago is when I did start planning a whole resurgence. Yeah. You know, and then every time I come on Arsenio, instead of me being allowed to just be funny, it was another debate, okay? So, I just wanted to get up and tell people who I really was and what I was about and how, you know, if you have this thing in you, this this desire to accomplish something, That no dream is unattainable, but I was just being me, and I got choked up. So the only way to get out of it was to snap into character. And I'm standing there going, I can't believe I'm getting fucking choked up. Because I always tell my kids, I go, sensitivity is my weakness. I go, sensitivity to me is like kryptonite to Superman. (laughs) I go, it just creeps up on me, and I don't feel it. And so you know, you mean you're sentimental and yeah, I'm very sentimental. You know, and I got my first gigantic movie coming out the next day, starring in it, and I just wanted to let people know, like I'm like you, you know. But I had this dream, and I'm saying it. I'm not just coming on and go, yeah, believe in yourself, all the bullshit. I really do believe that you could accomplish in life whatever that that thing is you want to accomplish. Right. But you got to put the work in, and you got to. You gotta not let you gotta put blinders on, not let anything get in your way. What do you?
0: Where do you stand on like? Because you know, I interviewed Jimmy Norton, I like and Patrice, and I you know I, I love those guys. And now you know, there's all there's a lot of conversation about you know what jokes should be or shouldn't be or political correctness. You know, but it seems that what you came upon your thing was sort of organic. How do you answer to that shit? But in the terms thing is,
2: the, that's what why it's called jokes because jokes right. are just to make people laugh. Right. Uh, some of the stuff on stage. You know i try to make a point with some of the stuff on stage i say just to outrage and make people laugh really hard do you, think you know i do it? a joke where i come on stage and i go so last night i'm with this puerto rican chick i fucked her so hard her asshole popped out yeah you know did that really happen <laughs> can an asshole really pop out i think so like <laughs> if i
0: if i was if i was you know a, a journalist would i even ask that question but did you ever feel like you ever heard anybody did anyone ever come up to you and go, you know, you're really... Mean no, me? never. Never. Right? People gay love Gay people, what I do. women, nobody. Gay people love dice. Right, right. You
2: know, it just became the thing in the late 80s to, to go you. after dice. Yes, right, right. You know? Yeah. You know, I could sit here and go, I have gay friends, I have sure. gay... Th- no, I get you. And I do, but... Right. I'm not trying to prove anything. No, They're just it. my friends.
0: And when like, when I met you, like you and Kennison, there was this sort of like, you know, he was doing his thing. He was starting to do big rooms. You were doing big rooms. And there was like, the. it almost felt like these two camps. You know, you well, had well, your that's guys. What,
2: well, d- see, well, look, Sam is not here to speak for himself. Sure. My opinion about him, he was an absolute great comedian. Yeah. And I loved what he did. And I'll never forget, I was doing... A television show called *Crime Story* with Michael Mann at yeah, the time. Yeah, 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 And so I was more in the acting thing, is yeah. what was going on. So Before, Sam yeah, didn't yeah. feel threatened by me. Right. And but and I was each working other. with you guys. You knew each other though. No, we were yeah. friends. Yeah. I, I used to ha- we used to hang out. Yeah. When we were coming up. Right. But Sam got into, you know, drugs, yeah. alcohol, yeah. everything, yeah. you know, that I would tell somebody not to get into, and right. he just did it all. You never did anything. Uh, no, that wasn't my thing. Yeah. You know, if you ask me, today, I a smoke a joint? Yeah, yeah of right, course. Right, right. You know, but I, you know, I would never even think of things like Coke yeah, or, yeah. you know, I was never a heavy drinker at all. It just, yeah. my world was about get there, you know, yeah. uh, do something with your life. Right. You sucked in school. I don't even know how I graduated high school. You know, so do something with your life. Do something positive. So I knew drugs would knock me down, and right. that was it. I never even tried that shit. Yeah. So what happened with Sam was, I'll never forget when he got Saturday Night Live, and I came over to him in the kitchen at the comedy store, and I hugged him, and I said, you see, it could be done. You see, you could get there. Because we were the last two on every night, Yeah. back to back, and we were friends. She,
0: she did that on purpose, right? You know,
2: well, it was such a great show. I mean, we yeah. were two animals, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then... When Rodney put me on his special... What year was that? 88. Yeah. Um, When Rodney... I actually took a full-page ad in Variety two days before the special ad to let the industry know I was going to be the biggest thing in the world.
0: Yeah. How did you you said that?
2: Uh, Well, (laughs) at at, at the end of this whole long poem I wrote on a full page, I said, Murphy and Pryor are great, no doubt, but in 88, it's dice they'll shout. Yeah. You know, I go, I never studied much in school, but I did study, Yeah. you know, and I predicted it because I wanted the industry to watch and I knew what I did on the Rodney special and I was prepared to do it and I knew nobody else would even, it would all be, everybody else was just background. Yeah. You know, I came on there to become the biggest comic in the world. Rodney knew it and I knew it. I didn't want to play 3,000 seaters. I wanted to play the biggest rooms that I could fill.
0: When did you do Madison Square Garden?
2: The Garden was 90, but I did, you know, over 300 arena shows. My, my first arena tour was, I think, 26 shows, and it sold out in a day.
0: And it was all because of the Rodney special.
2: Well, yeah, I went right from doing 200-seat clubs to in concert like that. Wow. I mean, even the agent I had at the time didn't believe I could fill an arena because right. the biggest place I played in New York was yeah. Town Hall. And my agent at the time, Dennis Offer, he had guys like Billy Joel... Um, You know, Metallica. Those are the guys that do those things. And I called him up because I never went to concerts as a kid and I said, what would be a place like Madison Square Garden but not Madison Square Garden? And he goes, well you got National Coliseum out in Long Island but comics don't do that. Guys like Billy do that, meaning Billy Joel. I go, yeah, but what if one did? So Ron Delzner said, look, I'm not going to put any money down on him but I'll give you 90%, you know, of what we make. I sold it out in an hour and a half.
0: Holy shit. Yeah, because what we so understood. I went from
2: 1,500 seats to now 18,000, and by the time that was sold out, every promoter in the country was calling my agent. They didn't know if I was a singer, a juggler. All they knew was this guy, you know, sold out. Yeah.
0: Nassau and we, we, we did. You go on Stern and stuff, or how yeah, of
2: course. That's yeah. where we we fell in love. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because to this day, we have a chemistry that's that's unreal. Whether we fight, whether we're friends, yeah, it just works. So what happened with Sam? To make a long story short, he was playing like three thousand seaters, which is superstar for a comic. Sure, but I went into eighteen and twenty thousand seaters, right? And it drove him crazy, and it and it wrecked his career, in my opinion, because. Fans were listening, going, What's his problem with dice? Right, they're like from the same school, right. you know. And but you know, I, I always looked at it, it was the drugs, it was the alcohol, it was you know, yeah. and but you know. I wish he was still walking around I'll put it to you that way yeah yeah. I do miss the guy because today we would be touring together you you know that's the story there and Mm -hmm. I used to actually get mad at him because even the guys that would like work for me that weren't even comics I would look to build them up on different shows like Stern and when Sam was on there he wouldn't talk about Carl he wouldn't talk about any of the outlaws even when he was on Carson he didn't even introduce them and I'm like those are your fucking guys. Like, Call the Bo, to me, yeah. one of the greatest comics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I
2: mean, you know, he, he does every kind of character. And I'm like, that's your best fucking friend. Why aren't you building this fucking yeah. guy? That's the shit I don't like.
0: Well, you had a lot of guys. You know, you were always very, you had guys that were loyal to you. And you had guys, you know, everybody had a nickname. There was always that's four right. or five guys. Yeah, I used to say to Schubert, I'm like, I, I don't know if I like can Like My ra-
2: publicist here, yeah. Jeff Abraham, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what his nickname is? What? Johnny Aces. <laughs> and you had Hot Tub. Yeah, but now I got new guys. Okay. I don't even talk
0: about those okay. guys. <laughs> Who are
2: the new guys? You know what I mean? Who are the new we guys? We got new guys. Well, we got Ruby. Yeah. All right? Now it's time to talk about Entourage. You figure. Yeah. Sure. So this, this is the
0: career resurgence. You know, it was
2: my son that told me about you. Well, I'm glad he, he said he, you uh, got the greatest podcast in the world.
0: Well, it's all about comedy. He listens to you all the time. Oh, good.
2: You know, so you'll have to, when he's ready. I gotta ready, meet him. You'll love where, him. Where does he work? You know what? He goes to all these, like. The alternative le- rooms? Ha- yeah, he has all these little clubs, and then he'll do the comedy store. But he's working on the act; he's building the act. I wonder if I've
0: seen him. He goes by uh, Max Max Silverstein? Silverstein.
2: Yeah. Shit, and he's really great. You I know, you
0: got to put me in touch with him.
2: Okay, I will. Okay, I will.
0: All right, so let's. So now, all of a sudden, you you the divorce kind of crushed you. You you did your family thing. You're coming around. Okay, you're doing so the spots. for ten
2: years, I'm banging around, just looking to make a living. This past
0: decade. Was it pathetic, though? Was what pathetic? In your mind, were you like, did you feel compromised when you did the reality show? Were you, were you really no, you down know, I always account? look
2: at myself, there were two things I look at. I look at like the Elvis of comedy, but also the Rocky Balboa comedy. Okay. You know, because the thing about the Rocky movies that I always loved, they, of course the fights were great. Yeah. But it was the life stories he was trying to show throughout that series of Rocky. Yeah. You know, and every story, you know, the first one is about, you know. What's he going to do with his life? And he gets the shot of a lifetime, which Rodney gave me. Yeah. You know, to right. become a champion. Sure. You know, and then even, you know, the one where he moves back home. Oh, I don't like Rocky IV because, you know, he doesn't do the big fight. I go, but look what somebody goes through. You lose all your money. You got to go back to the old neighborhood. That's, that's what happened to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? You were broke. And then, but, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh. I'm not saying I'm walking around wealthy. Trust me on that. I don't even have sleeves anymore after <laughs> divorce. So, um... Anyway, you know, then Rocky 6 comes out, called Rocky Balboa. Yeah. And that one, you know, he gets like, he has like an argument with his own son, and he goes, you know, now that, he goes, what, what's so bad in your life? Yeah. You know what I mean? Things right. aren't going so good, so you want to blame me now? Right. He goes, don't you know what life is? It's not about how hard you could get hit. It, wait, let me say it properly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you could get hit. <laughs> And keep moving forward. That's what life's about. But that is what life's right. about—that you don't give up on you. Because in that last Rocky, he's older, wants to fight again, and obviously he gets in the ring, and no matter how old he is, you see, he's still the same champ he always was. Did you
0: ever go through a period where you were afraid? Um, I mean, like, you know, because the re- I mean, I watched your first few, I a few episodes of the reality show. You know, I knew I didn't know what the was the reality
2: going. show stunk in my opinion because. My own kids who were five years younger. Yeah. So that means one of my kids, were, Max, was 15. Yeah. And Dylan was 11. Okay. So we watched this rough rough episode of, uh, you know, a rough cut of, uh, they called it the image change. Yeah. You know, which I hated. You know, they're putting me in metrosexual clothes. They put a grill in my teeth. You know, and my son said it the best. They look at the producers. Yeah. Because I had all this footage that they could have cut into seven episodes. Yeah. I filmed my whole life like a reality show. Yeah. And that's how I wanted the show. And, you know, once VH1 gave them money, they soaked the money, and the show stunk. And my kids looked at them and go, let me ask you something, because my kids were into rock and roll, too. And they go... If you did a show with Axel, yeah, you know, with Axel Rose, right. wouldn't you just let him be Axel? Right. Why are you trying to change Andrew Dice Clay they to wanted, something he's
0: not? They wanted a story.
2: Yeah, like I, I, didn't mind showing him a family guy. Yeah, yeah. But let me be who I am on a day to day basis. Don't make the shit up. We don't have to make it. Right, up. right. My life is fucking insane. But
0: did you have a time where you were like, "Fuck, I'm fucked"?
2: Uh, there were times. Uh, you know, Eleanor Kerrigan's my ex fiance. Yeah. And to me, the greatest female stand-up in the country. She opens for me all over the country. And at that time, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend. And there were times I'd say, you know, I, I don't know which way to turn anymore. You know what I mean? Just nothing's working. But that's the Rocky in me because anybody else would have folded under my circumstances. There's no way to
0: go, though. Where the hell are you going to go? Well, you know it?
2: what? It's You know what? I started writing a book. Yeah. You know, I started working on new material because I knew the day would come that once my kids were a few years old, I could pursue the career again. Wow. You know, so... So you knew that. There was never sort of like, I guess I'm going to yeah. work at a place. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not working a gym like that asshole on <laughs> CNN said.
0: Oh, I don't know. I missed that one. Oh,
2: you got to look it up. Yeah. It's, it's got millions and millions of hits.
0: Yeah. He, he,
2: he, I do a CNN interview. This a couple of years ago. And this asshole of a human being, right, looks at me. His first question is, You know, he goes, well, weren't you working in a gym for a while? You know, (laughs) you know, you used to be a headline guy. And I'm like, I'm still, I was doing the Beacon the next night, completely sold
0: out. Right. In in New York, yeah.
2: And I look at this guy and I get mad. I go, where the fuck do you get your information? Because it's CNN. Yeah. Yeah. They're the biggest news company in the world. (laughs) And those are your questions. I've sold more tickets than any comic ever in history. That's what I take credit for. Right. And you're asking if I was in a fucking gym working there? Yeah, I was cleaning the toilets and sweeping the floors. I wanted to bend him over, fuck him in the ass, and paint tits on his back. He's lucky I didn't drag him over that fucking desk and give him the beating of a life to show such disrespect. That's the shit. That when somebody comes at me and doesn't ask real questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll fucking annihilate them because I got a tongue like a razor. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that's what, my gift. You know? And I threw the fucking mic at him and I walked off, asshole guy.
0: So well, how the entourage come around?
2: Okay. So I'm going to try to say this. that Ten years who, you were
0: like sort of in the wilderness. Okay.
2: So now recession hits. Right. Okay. I got a new wife, yeah. you know, Valerie, who's, uh, you know, a lot younger than me, um just gorgeous wait, 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 I'm just, let's
0: talk about that how much younger my girlfriend's 28 I'm 47 where yeah, well, are you
2: well, I'm 53 she's 27 yeah yeah it's a big difference but we it works you know what I mean it works for me I'll tell you that much <laughs> Jesus fuck if you saw the fucking night I had last night yeah it's fucking beyond belief what goes on in so, my bedroom so I yeah, love her happy. I fucking love her I love you honey yeah I'm coming home to do it in the afternoon now <laughs> No, no, she's just, yeah, yeah. it's not just the sex, we just relate to each other, that's you good, know, of course good. it starts off with the attraction, I mean, she's Mexican, Italian, and Jewish, I mean, wow. what a fucking blend, Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. It's like, it's, it's like Brooklyn. Let me tell you something, you gotta like what you're looking at when you roll over in the morning, I'm telling you that right now, yeah. just man to man, because if you don't want to pummel them fat ass cheeks with your balls... yeah. Right. There's nothing happening between you. I, 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 and it's always got to be there. I don't yeah. care if you're together for a year or two. Because at least years. you have
0: that. Whatever you, happens, you got that. You got
2: to keep it alive. Right. So if it, sometimes you're not going through it mentally together, yeah. you got to have the physical thing. Sure. And if the physical thing, because with marriage, that does go up and down.
0: How long have you been married? You know,
2: only a year and a half. So, okay. you know, I mean, it's an everyday affair where, you know, I always believed to treat a wife like a girlfriend. You
0: know what You're I mean? Not scared at all. No, no. Mean? All right. I'm
2: crazy about her. Oh, good. You know, I, I that's what I'm saying. I'm always optimistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't believe it can't work. Right. Even though I've had a couple failed marriages, that doesn't mean one can't work.
0: I'm with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, so, I'm looking for a third. So
2: I'm putting my best foot forward, good. and so is she. And yeah, of course we—you know—you fight with a Mexican girl, yeah. duck. Yeah. That's all I could tell you. She, Just fucking duck. <laughs> you know, because she does go toe to fucking toe. But man. I look at that gorgeous... The minute I met her, she's got like the Marilyn Monroe eyes. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, that's it.
0: I'm sunk. Yeah. you know. Well, it's good, man. I'm glad you got love and yeah. happiness. so
2: what happened is... Yeah. I'm playing these little places in Vegas. And, you know, with the recession, I'm not making that much money. I can't even pay my bills for the month. So I had a house in Hollywood, so I sold it. And... To make a Not to make a deal, but the ex puts like a, a court order lien on it. Yeah. So I can't touch the money. No. I got no money. So I go on a gambling spree in Vegas because I used to play blackjack a lot. And I'm talking, you know, for for millions of dollars yeah. up and back. So I had about eight grand. Were you a compulsive gambler? No, I, I gambled out of boredom. Okay. But I was really fucking good at it. You know, and I could win. yeah. You know, I could sit down and win a half a million dollars and, you know,
0: You know, two shoes. So you got eight grand.
2: You know, so I got eight grand. We're going to Vegas. Me, my wife, the kids. And I go, look, I'm going to have to gamble. You know, I'm just not making enough. And in the short run, I can make a lot of money. Yeah. You know, so to make a long story short, shorter, we live hangover the whole summer. Yeah. I'm talking, we had, I was winning hundreds of thousands of dollars buying cars buying clothes, paying bills, and then by the end of the summer, I lose just about all of it. So you just were on a gambling tear. Yeah, but we were in every fucking suite. Every hotel had a suite for me. Were you working?
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: But what what I was making at the tables was like what I was working, what I was making, you know, performing for the week, it didn't cut, you know... I sit at the table, make a hundred grand for the day. Holy shit!
0: Yeah, it was. Well, it's stupid money? What size hands are you playing?
2: Well, I'm playing between five and fifteen thousand a hand. Yeah. So I would look to do it quick, and then go to the pool and yeah. get the massages and yeah. eat in the restaurants yeah. and go out dancing with my wife at night after the, the shows. Yeah. It was insane, and then I lose most of the money, right? <laughs> after three months. Yeah. <laughs> so I come back to L. A. It's September. I would call Jeff here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. go. All right. uh, Maybe we'll shoot a special. Let me go win another hundred grand. I'll right. call you in an hour. And what did he tell you? What would I tell you, Jeff? Come here. What would I tell you?
0: He called it's one o'clock, I'll call you at two thirty. Pick a number, <laughs> I'd go seventy five thousand. He called me in an hour, goes a hundred.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I would also lose. That's the thing with gambling. It's right. not like performing. Mm-hmm. You know, they you gotta be willing to lose everything to win. Yeah. If you're gonna play scared, you're gonna lose. Right. You know, but through the summer, things got crazy. You look away from the cards for a minute, you ruin it, and you're losing. Yeah. You know, that's a gambler. Right. You know what I mean?
0: So you became a gambler. So,
2: yeah, I became a gambler again. So I come back from the whole summer, and I say to my wife, I go, Look, I'm going over to Starbucks to meet Max. I don't want to know from show business, bills, anything. I'm broke. just burnt. So this guy comes walking over to me, who I haven't seen in 14 years at the time. This is last. Last September. His name is Bruce Rubenstein. Call him Ruby, a.k.a. the sergeant, right? So he goes that, di- and, and, and Bruce... What did he do? Well, nat- what he was doing when I ran into him yeah. again, he was doing artwork and construction. <laughs> yeah. But Bruce is a very smart guy. Yeah. Bruce worked for Mickey Rourke for about 15 years. Bruce wrote the movie Bullet with Mickey and Tupac. I mean, he's a very bright guy. He yeah. wasn't like... Mickey's flunky or something. Was he? he a, was he a gambler too? What no, was no, 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 no. Bruce, just, I haven't seen him in years. He was there. Yeah, he just came walking up to Starbucks. Yeah. I haven't seen him in years. Yeah so the next day I call him we meet for coffee again we're just hanging out and he's playing with his Blackberry like everybody yeah Const- I was actually getting mad at him just right. constantly looking at the fucking phone yeah because that's what people fucking do today yeah that's why I don't even go to parties today because yeah. of the phone yeah because people don't talk about anything other than oh look at look at my YouTube what are you a fucking astronaut just tell me you're right in front <laughs> of this is people today <laughs> yeah so uh so the second day I'm with Bruce he's talking to me he goes dice I gotta be honest Last time I see you, you're one of the biggest comics in the world. And then I hear nothing. You're just gone. And so I told him about what the past decade was, bringing up my kids, the divorce, whatever. Yeah. So he goes, why don't you ever do like a walk-on, like on Entourage or something? I go, you know what? It just never happened. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, all I could tell you is Doug Allen just loves you, thinks you're the greatest comic ever, you know, and wants a meeting. I go, how do you know? He goes... 'Cause I'm emailing with him right now. And he's flying in from Texas. He went to some game there, some Did you sports game. Change
0: your attitude about phones then? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not so
2: bad. So 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 actually the meeting doesn't happen till the next day. Yeah. You know, and I figure, okay, great, maybe I'll have a walk on, you right, know. I right. I've been a fan of the show from the first season.
0: It was familiar to you, I guess, huh?
2: Really familiar. Yeah. I mean I knew every episode. Yeah, right. You know, so... Um, but the life
0: is kind of familiar to you, too, right? Well,
2: the the yeah. whole... Yeah, like, I would even ask Doug, like, how do you know about <laughs> all this stuff? We'd have those conversations, right. you know? Because it's really true to life what right. those guys live. The parasites coming mm. in to your fucking life, trying to get what they can out of you, all you that, that shit. You had that happen, right? I had it happen from every... I used to walk into the comedy store handing out thousands. Yeah. This guy's coming over. My wife's on her last leg. Yeah. You know, can you give me five grand? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why is it up to me, you know? <laughs> but I would do it. I was. I call it the Elvis syndrome. Yeah, yeah. You know, buy people cars, shit like that.
0: Um. Maybe, so Maybe you got a big heart too, huh?
2: Well, you know what? I'm, I'm not bragging about what I, what I right. do, you know, that way. It's just what I would do. So what happened was after I met with Doug, uh, Doug asked for my email and we start emailing, we start having meetings, and I call Bruce and I go, Bruce, this this might be bigger than you thought. So we start hanging out through the winter. Next thing you know, I get an offer to do entourage, but not just a walk on, a whole character arc thing. Mm-hmm. You know, playing Andrew Dice Clay. Right. And actually, my son Max winds up in it, too, with me. You know, and and, and all of a sudden, everything starts coming up. You know, because, you know, as Doug was emailing me, you're just killing it. HBO is loving you. And it's funny, because HBO's the network that made me a star. You know, and through the winter, now Bruce has become my manager. It's like a real, true Hollywood story. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy... They would go, Dice, I got to get up in the morning and dig a trench around this fucking house I'm working on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I'm going, four months from now, there's no more trenches. And just to tell you how things are going, I mean, this show hasn't even aired yet. You know, I'm in a bunch of the last season, and, you know, I'll never forget Doug saying to me, he goes, look, he goes, I want to blow you through the fucking roof. He goes, goes, if you never do another show, you're the biggest stand-up. And I'm not talking about sitcoms or movies like Eddie Murphy I mean to me Eddie's one of the biggest movie stars ever you know I'm talking about straight stand-up in concert I mean I did the Rose Bowl with Guns N' Roses it's a hundred thousand people you know you know so that's what what Doug was talking about he goes and I just want to blow you through the fucking roof he was Doug Allen I call him my Quentin Tarantino Mm -hmm. because what Quentin did for for John Travolta with Pulp Fiction that's how Doug is taking me on.
0: So you're getting ready to to, yeah. to do the act again in a bigger room? Well, well, and... well, I'll put it to you this way. Cyc-
2: we just booked Cyclone Stadium. It's a ballpark in yeah. Brooklyn.
0: Yeah. Oh, good. You know,
2: I'm doing it October oh, 1st. Oh, that's great. It's not on sale yet. Well, that's great, man. Yeah, so, so we're going back into the stadium thing. That's the, great.
0: Uh, Who are you bringing open?
2: open? Um, Eleanor's going to open that show. Just the two of you? You know. Yeah, but I'm going to make it a very special show. I mean, I'm from Brooklyn. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I want to start, like, I'll be at the Tropicana in Atlantic City. Uh, What's the day left, Jeff? The 30th? July 30th. And that's already 2,000 seats. Yeah. You know, so I'm going from, like, 120, 150 seats a night in Vegas back into thousands of seats, and not one frame of this show has aired. All that's aired are the previews. Yeah. You know, that's what's starting to air now, and, you know, all the press and the media, and... You know, when you ask me, uh, are you afraid, it's not... It's. A, I'm a little fearful because it took 15 years to come back like this. And, you know, I even tell my own kids, you know, there's nothing wrong with being... It's like a nervous energy. You get a little overwhelmed. But like I said, the important thing is you always stay grounded. You always, like... Like, I don't live, like, in the mountains. You know, I live with people. I like to have my, my ear to the street, you yeah, know. Go
0: to restaurants.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not a recluse. Yeah. So those are the things that do keep you grounded. Hanging hang with your family. Does and, Max
0: like your comedy?
2: Max loves my comedy, you know. And, and we have a lot of talks about comedy. And he'll do his bits for me. And the beauty of both my sons is I taught them since they're five years old. Even if you're in my business, because I knew I... You know, I had to break them in slowly to what I do that never walk in my shadow. You don't want to be me. You don't want to be on stage and people go, oh, he's a little dice. Right. You know what I mean? You've seen that happen before. Yeah, with other famous guys, comics. I go, be who you want to be. Yeah. You know, and develop what you want to be. And that's what I mean when I say to you, I talk to my kids about everything.
0: Here's the thing I was going to tell you, though, that, that in my moment, because like, I'm weird, you know, even when I was just a doorman, and I, we didn't really know each other. I don't even know if you remember me. but Not as a doorman. Yeah, but the weird thing is is that... Forget you were a doorman. Yeah, okay. No, I, I'll forget it. But but it was weird because it, you develop these attachments to people, because I watched you every fucking night for however long I was living at that place, uh-huh. and I always saw you as the character, and then there's this one night, I'll never forget it, Jimmy Schubert, for some reason, got arrested. It was the middle of the night, and we didn't know who to call. And Todd, Todd Lemish, uh-huh. he says, "Let's call Andrew." And I'm like, "You're going to call Dice?" And he calls you up. It must have been three in the morning. He said, "Jimmy got arrested. He's at Beverly Hills uh, Jail." Oh, that's and, you right. sa- and you said And you said, "Totally forgot." He, he, you said, "You said that's weird." I was up counting quarters, and I'm like, "What the fuck does that even mean?" And then we meet, you, <laughs> we meet you at the jail. and You show up with a with bag a of bag fucking of quarters.
2: I always had a thing about change. I love saving <laughs> just, change.
0: Just, we're sitting there stacking ropes. Of, uh, like yeah. I had to bail quarters. them out. Yeah, with quarters. It was
2: beautiful. Jimmy yeah, was a- Jimmy's a guy that did everything I told him not to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like especially, I used to tease him when we became friends because yeah. he used to talk about James Dean. Yeah, I go, look, you're never going to be James Dean. Yeah, and you certainly ain't going to be no Johnny Depp. Yeah, you know, and he, and he would laugh at that name Johnny Depp because. I just Mm -hmm. did a movie called Private Resort with Johnny Depp. Yeah. That was right before he did 21 Jump Street. Right. And obviously we know who Johnny Depp is. Yeah. But he thought I was making the name up. (laughs) You You know know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because nobody ever heard of Johnny Depp. Right, right. But I just did a movie with this guy. I'm going, he's like a little James Dean. Yeah. You know, and obviously we've seen what Johnny Depp became to his career. Yeah. You know, and then when Jimmy realized that was really a fucking Johnny Depp. He was going. I thought you were goofing on me with that name, <laughs> you know. But 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 also, you know, I told him stay off of the fucking motorcycles. Yeah. Don't try to be. Next thing you know, he's got pins to his yeah, leg. Crippled. That to this yeah. day, he still Limping walks around like you know yeah. he's hobbling. Funny guy, fuck. though. Funny guy. Haven't seen him in years, actually.
0: Well, look, Dice. It was great talking to you. I know you got to go do some stuff. I'm very happy for your uh, for your comeback and this your recent success. This is one
2: of the, the best interviews I've done so far.
0: I thought I thought it was great. I'm really happy. But son time was to do right it. about you. Well, thank you very much. You're incredible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna get him on the phone and maybe we'll have him in on the same show. That'd be fun. You got it. Thanks, Dice. Thank you. So that was Dice. I bet you didn't know that stuff about him. I bet you'd never heard him talk that long or, or realized that he was that person. Well, that's, that's Dice. And now, you know, after I talked to Dice, I said, Why, would you mind if I talked to Max? And he said, yeah, sure. You know, if you, if you talk to Max about Max and not just about me. And I said, well, I'm going to do a little of both. And he said, sure. So he gave me Max's number. So I called Max Silverstein and, uh, and Max came over to my house. And he's a uh, lovely kid. Let's talk to Max Silverstein. I am uh, in the garage here with uh, Max Silverstein. It's good to be here. Max Silverstein. That is a name that uh, a lot of people don't realize is uh, Andrew Dice Clay's real name. Mm -hmm. And he is your father. Yes, he is. (laughs) I, you know, the reason why I had you in here was like i like I used to work the door at the comedy store, so I go way back, and uh, I didn't really know uh, Dice other than as a as a young comic who would watch him right when he was starting to break out and become this huge guy, and then over the years you just I just never even I associated him uh, with uh, having a kid, and then he, not only does he have you, he has your brother, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he told me about you, and I looked you up online, you know, playing drums. And he said you were starting to do comedy, and I said, "Holy shit!" In my mind, I'm like, "I got to talk to that kid, Max, and figure out, you know, how that. What is it like to have Andrew Dice Clay as a father? Because I know that in there, you know, in my in my experience with him, and, and after talking to him, you know, there, there's a there's a sensitive guy in there, and you know, and he's built this thing. This this dice character mm-hmm. and it seems to me that a lot of times he's uh not at odds with the character but he's very conscious of the character and it kind of insulates him from from being uh whoever you probably know him as like i can't imagine he walks around the house you know like you know, you know doing dice yeah in a leather jacket no it's does he seriously he, he
1: really doesn't uh, <laughs> he's the best dad and uh it's it's two different people i mean of course you know dice is an amplified version of himself but uh, you know he's way more relaxed at home. But then you know when we go out, of course we do have to be conscious of who he is because people respond. Accordingly. It's like, that's the dice man, so he's gotta be the dice man for them, you know.
0: So sometimes when you're out you're realizing, all right, Dad, we'll see you when we get home, even though you're sitting right next to him.
1: Well what's what's really funny when we go out is um you know, sometimes we'll see other celebrities yeah. and I'll get really you know, I get excited, it's like, yeah. Whoa, look who that is. Yeah, you know, but then they come over and they can't believe it's Andrew Dice Clay and yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I forget. <laughs> That's my dad. Yeah. You know, I want to go say what's up to them, and then they come say what's up to my dad. It's, it's the coolest.
0: Well, I think it's interesting, too, that you, he told me that your brother is a guitar player and you're a drummer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went and watched that YouTube clip, and you and seem to be a pretty fucking good drummer. Yeah, man, been playing for like 10 years. And your brother's supposedly a great guitar player he's out of this world so did your father as you were growing up like uh wh- what was his message because it's it's rare that you know the parents I mean maybe you know some parents embrace creativity but what was the sort of uh the message he gave you growing up in terms of what you wanted to do
1: he always was like I just want you to do whatever it is you love to do and just supported me with anything I chose to do and the drums was uh, definitely a big thing i wanted to do for a long time so he never had a problem with me practicing the drums or me and my brother playing in the house i mean you know our rehearsal studio was the living room yeah you know, the drums the guitar everything <laughs> yeah even every barbecue we have you know there's always a jam it always yeah. goes down does he sing my dad no my dad drums so like yeah. me and him will switch off on the drums my brother will play guitar and uh-huh. sing.
0: so what was the conversation like when you when you told your dad you were gonna do comedy
1: there was wasn't ever a really heavy conversation just really started getting into the open mics and just going what about all the this time. girl she uh well, basically i had this crush on like this female comic yeah and uh you know i was just kind of hoping to impress her being funny at open mics and yeah. kind of running around all summer and of course by the end of the summer i couldn't stand her but ended up getting like really into comedy i'm like <laughs> i'm not going to school i'm not working i might as well really get into
0: this how old are you I'm nearly 21. Wow! So, so the girl—did she end up thinking you were funny? Did you achieve what you needed to achieve there? Of course, yeah. <laughs> she, def- she thought I was
1: funny, but like uh, she was just crazy.
0: And do you, your father said that um, that you uh, you ask him about jokes sometimes?
1: I'll uh, I'll definitely tell him stuff that I'm working on. He might give me a tag or whatever, and we'll we'll discuss concepts and bits. But he won't ever give me set jokes. No, like, right, he won't right. Be like say
0: this. But I'll say just like, be like hey, that's a pretty good joke there. You well, know? tell
1: me why don't you look at it from this angle. Yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah. You're right. I didn't think of that. He goes, well, that's 30 years. Yeah, you know, of course <laughs> I thought of that.
0: <laughs> and has he has he seen you perform? I've actually opened
1: from a, a couple different times. We just did the Palms in Vegas. It's crazy because for my dad's crowds, I have to be way dirtier than I am because yeah. I'm I don't refrain from cursing. But I'm not like what you would consider like a hardcore comic, you know, yeah, my yeah. subject matter. Yeah. But in front of my dad's crowds, unless you get dirty, they have no interest. <laughs> you know, like I'd give them my best stuff and I'd get laughs, you know. Right. But it wasn't until I was like, you know what? Let's talk about women. Yeah. And say yeah. some like severe stuff that yeah. they just get into it. Right. Right. It's like these crazy, he has the craziest fans. They're so hardcore. And
0: do, do they like you?
1: Yeah. They're really into it. And then like, I'll hang out uh like when we sell t-shirts because i'm really just like trying to like meet girls get numbers yeah yeah you know all that stuff Mm -hmm. and the big question is you know are you really his son i'm like why would i do an entire bit of all this factual material if i wasn't but people definitely get a big kick out of like a father and son being on the same show
0: stylistically do you find your that you ever speak in your father's cadence or that you know you have the Without a
1: doubt, there's yeah. definitely a lot of stuff that uh, got passed down. A lot of my mannerisms are similar to his. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, and is that is that unique to him, or does like are there other people in your family that have that? Like you know, your aunt or your grandfather or anybody? I mean, because he's got this thing. Is, is it an affectation? Because it seems pretty genuine. You know, it, it's
1: mostly him, but I think definitely my grandmother. You know, my dad's mom. Yeah. You know, because he got a lot of his attitude. From her. Oh, yeah. So, and then I got it from him, so I think it, it comes from her also.
0: That's hilarious. And your brother's got it, too? My
1: brother is uh, not really. He, he doesn't have that that whole thing going yeah. on. He's a straight-up, like, a real jock. Like, oh, just yeah? kicking ass in high school. Oh, the really? complete opposite of who I was. You know, I was the straight-up, you know, loner, you know, drummer yeah. dude. Yeah. And he's got, like, a million friends, and, like, girls love him. He's an amazing water polo. He's ripped. Oh, man it's insane what's going on with him
0: so what's the big plan no more drums or what
1: i do play the drums now more for fun what was sick was uh i got to play
0: the drums on entourage oh so you actually you're you're playing drums on camera yeah and what's the scene basically it's uh i can't give away too much yeah
1: but um the scenario is you know a couple of the guys are talking to my dad in uh in his apartment and i'm just going nuts on the drums and not stopping and driving everyone berserk So so you play his
0: son yeah. yeah,
1: I'm playing the role of Dice's son. <laughs> First thing out of the box, which is so funny.
0: <laughs> do you, do you go out for a lot of roles, or uh,
1: I'll go out for commercials?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have you had experience with people that detract like that that are surprised in a negative way that you're his son? Like, or they criticize him?
1: Um, I've never experienced. I mean, of course, you know. You get in situations where you might hear something negative said, yeah, but no one's ever said anything negative, like consciously knowing, like that, on my dad's son uh-huh. in front of me. Yeah, they might have, you know, had a derogatory comment about him, but without knowing uh-huh. that. On his son.
0: How do you handle that? I
1: mean, unless it's I've I've never gotten into a fight with anybody. I mean, if someone really said something, of course I you know would defend my dad. Do you fight physically? Yeah, I'm so not a fighter. <laughs> If I had to defend myself like any person, I would. But I'm just—I'm so—I'm yeah. laid back, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because he said he's—he's he's gotten into some fights.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been in fights. He's, you know, <laughs> it comes from Brooklyn. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just been his life. But I've always been uh, way more of a past fist. You know. Yeah,
0: but that stuff he does now about like going to Staples and stuff, just hanging out with you guys, is hilarious.
1: And that's all a thousand percent true. Oh, good. There's good. a Staples run every other day. Really. All the time,
0: he likes it. Huh? Pens, yeah. paper. <laughs> he just
1: he likes office. He likes fresh office supplies. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't want to go to Staples again. Please drop me off at home first. And, and he's excited about it. He gets into it. Yeah, <laughs> he gets the. He's got the paper shredder. Yeah, he's, he's like, really he, a Staples advocate. He, he-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you would do ads for Staples.
1: How great! What a great commercial that would be.
0: <laughs> Dice Clay for Staples. That's fucking hilarious. Well, how, where are you playing uh, next? Uh, comedically,
1: where am I? Probably the uh, probably the comedy store at some point this week.
0: And are you a regular over there yet? Or are you just uh, doing the Monday nights? What are you well, doing? I'm
1: on the friends and family. So What not is a- that?
0: Is there a friends and family plan? How does that work?
1: I guess the best way to describe it is just like... Just, uh, someone who's, like, one tiny notch above the open mic? Oh, yeah,
0: someone who you know, who knows somebody or is related to somebody. Yeah,
1: or has done good enough times at the open mic that they're like, hey, if you show up Sunday or Monday, you know, we could we
0: can get you Are on. Are you friends with any other comedian's kids? Uh, I'm friends with Lucas Dick. And Andy Dick's son. Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah, he's a really good guy, Lucas. I hear he's
0: funny, too. I talked to Andy about him. Is he funny? He's really funny. So you guys hang out?
1: Yeah, like, we'll do mics together. Uh-huh. He's a very bright guy, and, uh. So I'm definitely, you know, given Is him he well adjusted too? Um I would consider him well adjusted. That's
0: amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's really uh, touching to me that uh, you turned out okay and uh, Lucas Dick is okay. That's,
1: I guess pe- I don't know. People would look at comedians and think their kids just gotta be yeah. crazy, yeah, with, yeah. just with who they're living with.
0: But it actually makes more sense that it's the opposite. Like if you deal with a you know a, a, a very you know large presence as a as a parent, one way or the other, you're going to be sort of like, all right, I got to keep it together because this is <laughs> this is big. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, good luck with everything, and I'm glad you you took a minute to talk to me, Mark. Seriously, thank you for having me on the show, and this was great, man. And good luck with your comedy. Well, that's it. That's our show. That was uh, Andrew Silverstein and his son, Max Silverstein. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you, I, I hope you were surprised in some way. You know, you think you know people. But look, I am still in Montreal. Uh, I will be back in the garage on Thursday. Uh, I have some things to do now. Uh, I'm fighting the urge to eat more poutine. I'm battling a, a slight resentment against French Canadians based on my own problems. And please go to WTFpod.com if you need anything. You need the app, you need a t shirt, you need to uh, get on that mailing list. Oh boy, I got to write that update. Or if you need anything, just coffee.coop uh, Punchline Magazine is no longer uh, Punchline Magazine, it is uh, laughspin.com. So you can go check that out to, for all the up to date uh, reports from Montreal. But uh, but aside from that, I hope you enjoyed the show. And I'll be back on Thursday in the garage to talk more about this experience. All right. I don't think I. Oh, wait, I have something else to say. I want to plug this again. Todd Glass, my friend Todd Glass and your friend, the very funny Todd Glass, will be performing August 6th at the El Rey Theater uh, here in Los Angeles. So please go to that, because he's taping a special, and he'd love to have you. He's doing an hour over there, and Todd is one of the funniest people I've ever met. And, I, and if you don't know him, it's definitely worth it. That's Todd Glass at the El Ray Theater on August 6th. Okay, that's it.